Welcome to Grow With Soul, a simple marketing podcast by me, Kate Ferris, a creative business and marketing coach living in the mountains in North Wales. Grow With Soul is for creatives who either have their own business or who dream of having their own business and who want to grow slowly, sustainably and soulfully in their work and in their life. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to episode 81 of Grow With Soul. Today is a coaching episode with Bex Massey, the founder of Bramble and Fox, which is an online hygge store. After a brief hiatus for moving house, Bex is putting the shop lights back on and is now struggling with managing her time around her demanding family and knowing where all that precious time and energy is best spent. In this episode, we talk about creating processes and rhythms in the business, how to radically prioritise tasks, perfectionism, and also, for good measure, whether it's worth doing a newsletter. So let's dig in. Hi, Vex. Hi, it's lovely to speak to you. I know it is, isn't it? Because we've kind of toed and froed from you doing base camp and things like that, and then it's... Nice to actually put a voice to the name. <laughs> I know it's very weird because listening to you, so I feel like I know you, but I obviously don't know you that well. <laughs> That's the thing I always forget is that other people have heard my voice before. But yeah, so I'm really excited to dig into the kind of time management stuff that we're going to be talking about today because that's something that. I do a lot of thinking on for myself. I don't think it's ever something that you get sussed, but um, I think there's lots to get into. But first of all, let's start off with a little bit of context and a little bit about you with kind of what you do, what your business is and kind of how you've got to the point you're at now. Yes, well, sort of shop that I've recently opened up. It's an online shop called Bramble and Fox and it's an online Hugo shop. Hugo is a Danish sort of concept and it comes about from, it really roughly translates as coziness of the soul. And I'd sort of first heard of the concept when I read the book, um, the little book of Hugo by Mike Viking about four years ago, I think it would have been. And when I read the definition, I sort of smiled when I was reading the book because I had sort of found my people. Because <laughs> <laughs> it sort of put a word or a label to something that I've sort of done instinctively all my life, but I didn't know there was a name for it and I didn't know really of the, the sort of the concept of Hugo and why it's such a thing in, in Denmark. So I sort of believe that Hugo is a form of self-care and it's a way of sort of finding comfort and joy in the everyday and sort of celebrating those little moments in your day. And bizarrely, I just woke up in the middle of the night with this fully formed idea for the shop in my head. Um, and so I reached for my phone and started taking notes. And it's a shop really for people who love to create a cosy home or who just like sort of coziness in general. And so I wanted to sort of open up a shop really for people like me that like to curl up with a book and a, a mug of tea and just really like the, the coziness of home. Mm. That's so interesting that the idea came to you like a like a vision in the night. <laughs> so, so bizarre. I've never had 
anything happen like that to me before at all but I had the name I just had the idea of the shop and the feel that I wanted it to have and that would have been sort of um I think probably sort of the, the January of of last year and then got into the sort of mechanics of what I would need to do to open up a shop sort of in the spring and set myself the target of sort of October of last year of opening. So did had you been thinking that you wanted to have a business at all or anyway was it kind of were you looking for a change in that part of your life? Definitely. Uh, okay. Um, my parents have run a small business and so I'd grown up with parents who work for themselves I used to be a teacher I was a teacher for 10 years then I left teaching I loved the job but just found that after 10 years I couldn't see myself doing it for another 10 and I sort of burned myself out and then had about a year to 18 months of doing various different jobs sort of floating about really trying to work out what I did want to do I'd always baked and had this hankering originally for a cake shop and so I'd was doing this admin job and decided I would just leave that and try and pursue the baking. So I worked in a bakery for a year, loved it, but just realised I couldn't really make the finances of it work. And then went into editing, which I, I really, really enjoyed and did until I had my little boy. went on maternity leave. And I was sort of a bit lost, really. I'd lost that creative anchor, if you want to call it that, that just feels... Like, I think if you're a creative person and then weirdly motherhood made me want to be more creative and I just felt that I wasn't having a creative outlet at that point. So I'd started looking around for an idea for some sort of business that I could start, mainly because I'd, I'd tried the, the sort of cake idea and as much as I loved it I just realized that the the house that I was living in at the time I just didn't have the storage capacity to buy things in bulk that I needed to sort of make the profit Mm -hmm. so I was sort of casting around looking for ideas but still felt a little bit lost and I'd really started doing that the purpose kits um of yours and then sort of casting around for what it was that was the purpose that I was looking for and then like I said just bizarrely a few months later the idea popped into my head I think I'd I'd read a blog of yours previously where it said that you sometimes just have to sort of sit and let the ideas come up to the surface you can't sort of force them so I I think it must have happened at Mm. that point. Well I love that you're proving me right <laughs> because that was what I was about to say is that it is it sounds like your kind of subconscious brain was busy like knitting things together in the background and then was like it's ready <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, the cake is popped out the oven it's like ding here it is <laughs> so the shop is now sort of eight months old more or less Yes, it sort of had a slight hiatus just for January, really just because we'd been looking for a house for about eight months by that point. We were in the process of buying a house and it sort of fell through and I just had too many things too many plates that were sort of spinning and I I made a decision that if orders came through that would be great but we're sort of not going to put the shop lights on as Mm -hmm. it were just until I could try and gather a bit of space and time again 
so once we knew that this house that we've just bought was going through about three weeks ago i started to decide right the shop light sort of needs to go back on again and sort of batched some content for the blog on the shop and took it from there really tried to take some time while i could to, to do some product photos for some new stock and so about three weeks ago i started sort of earnestly sort of saying hi i'm here again <laughs> And so before you had to take the hiatus, did you feel that things were kind of gaining momentum, that there was, that things were going well and things were happening or did it feel quite like a natural pause? I think it felt like a natural pause. Things had gone well up to Christmas. Obviously, Christmas is like the busiest time of year for a retail business and orders had sort of come in not so uh, frequently that it became overwhelming but regularly enough to feel like there was a consistency there and then obviously people don't have quite as much money after Christmas and so it did feel like there was sort of a, a natural slowing down point and I think at that stage I just thought I may as well try and capitalize on it is the wrong word but I just thought I may as well make the best of mm-hmm. this quiet period and then I had some sort of, um, obviously from the analytics of the shop, I can see when people are sort of browsing on it and what they're looking at. And so I could see there was still sort of a simmering of, of interest, but not really orders coming through. And that's why I just thought I may as well sort of use this as a, a hiatus mm-hmm. because th- it was a point where things were just a, a bit crazy. We're trying to view houses and and everything to do with that. Mm. So I think what was going well before that point was people seemed to be interested and get what the concept of the shop is. And they seemed to be pleased with the the range of the products that you could buy. But I think I'm still feeling slightly icky about the sales side Mm -hmm. of it, I think. I think because I'd worked in content editing and marketing before it's very easy to market other people's businesses (laughs) not so easy to do it for yourself without feeling salesy yeah Yeah, and and this is you know the the age-old thing right and you're so right that it is so much easier to talk about other stuff than your own um because when we're talking about our own stuff we're bringing in like a whole like all those things in hotels called where you put the baggage on one of those <laughs> of of baggage in because it's um it's also about yourself inextricably linked so it's not just about the product in the shop it's like oh this is also about me feeling like I deserve to take up space and be heard in the world which is a big scary thing to have to <laughs> come to terms with and I think that especially for you because we're going to get on to the time management is that there's probably that extra pressure of you know I've got this window of time and I need to really make it count and that just builds up all the pressure where onto something that's already feeling pretty pressured which is promoting yourself so it's totally that (laughs) yeah so if you had a little bit more space and time around it or a kind of different way of looking at it it would probably feel more part of it and I guess as well because you've got limited time it doesn't feel like oh well I've done all these blog posts and all these Instagram posts I've done all these things that aren't asking for the sale 
but because you've got the limited time you have to ask for the sale more often or it feels like and it, it all just yeah feels not nice <laughs> I think part of it was there was limited time to be able to create the content that the quality of the content that I like to create. Mm. And I think, well, I had um, a YouTube channel, which uh, that same sort of point in time, I, I sort of put onto a hiatus as well, just because I felt like I didn't have enough time to, to do them, the things that I wanted to do properly or well Mm -hmm. which is a bit of a recovering perfectionist is a bit of a a hard thing to to sort of deal with in that you know that good enough is good enough but it doesn't always feel like that so I think I just got to a point where I knew I had product images that I needed to take and I wanted to take them in a setting that was sort of nice and it's quite difficult to take the sort of photographs the style of photography that I like to take and try and look after my little boy at the same time for example just some of the candles that I have um, are set up in like a woodland scene <laughs> and it's trying to sort of manage my little boy in the woodland at the same time as trying to sort of set up shots <laughs> not falling down some sort of ravine <laughs> So it's. I felt like I didn't have enough time to dedicate to doing it to the sort of quality that I was looking for. And it is trying to find ways of snatching those pockets of time, but doing whatever it is that I've, I've decided to dedicate into that small pocket of time, making it, it count. And it's exactly what you're saying. It's trying to work out where that time can count and um, it's the pressure that's associated with that. Mm. I think actually the perfectionist thing is a, a an interesting point to make because it's, that's the thing, is it almost that you're making it more difficult for yourself because you've set a bar so high and that's not to say to lower the bar but it's what's more important than it being the absolute tip top of the bar level quality like what if if in terms of like rather than go to the woodland is actually more important that you could go with your little boy like chop down some branches or pick up some leaves or whatever and then make a little woodland at home while he's in bed or he's occupied like that might be that might be a way around it yeah and that it's kind of thinking about okay yes in an ideal world we'd love it to be absolutely perfectly executed but what's more important to you than that so what values do you have around your work that can kind of crowd out that perfectionism because it actually means more to you that you're not stressed you know you're not there trying to wrangle a toddler and take the best photos that have ever been taken or um maybe a value is that you that you want to feel free or that you want to feel like you're able to do lots of different things and not just like really tunnel vision onto something or something like that so just really identify the bits that you really enjoy and want to do more of and let them be more important than it being perfect yeah I think part of it is I've never run a business before and although I was a content editor before and have I think part of the perfectionism thing is because I did things to a certain level in that job, I'm demanding that same sort of level of myself now, even though the environment and the situation is different. Mm -hmm. 
And I think it's trying to prioritize in the head which aspects of the business are the most important things to do in the time that I've got. For example, is it trying to get to grips with the retail side of running the business? Because I sort of know the marketing side of it. And in a weird way, I'm dedicating maybe too much time to the blog and the marketing side of it than the actual nitty gritty of the running of the business. And I think part of the the confusion that I may be feeling is trying to prioritize and dedicate the time that I've got and knowing which things need to be done in the time. So what sort of things are you lumping into the nitty gritty? What sort of actual tasks are they? Well, things like sourcing the stock, working out the profit margins for it, working out just simple things like the postage costs of the the items because some of it's vintage stuff that I've got ready to put on the site but before I can put it on the site I sort of need to take it to the post office get it weighed work out what the postage cost would be to it I have tweaked my postage recently so that um, I offer free second class postage but I also offer sort of paid first class postage and I need to make sure that if I'm offering free second class postage that it, I'm still making some sort of profit out of that and it's not ending up being sort of subsumed by mm-hmm. the, the the cost of it mm-hmm. um, just taking the, the, the shots of the items themselves as well so I think it's it, having never run a business before it's trying to wear a lot of hats and working out which ones I need to be putting on mm-hmm. at the right time. This also sounds a lot like a process issue to me because it's, it sounds a bit like, oh, I've got this item, it's a vintage item, so I've got to just think of all the things that I need to do to get it on the site and kind of do them in a haphazard way. Whereas if you set yourself some process documents of this is like, the flow of what needs to happen before a product gets to the site then because a lot of the time is being eaten up by oh what do I do now what what have I got to decide to do in in that decision time whereas actually if you preempt those decisions and be like okay here's my product upload checklist and then and then you can just get straight into when am I going to do point one when am I going to do point two and you can know and and work out what the actual order is because you're right it is a lot of spinning plates because if you're not marketing the shop then no one's going to find the item anyway but then if you're marketing the shop and you've not put the item on they're not going to find it either so it's that knowing what the flow is for you and just actually taking the time to think about what the order in which things need to happen for every product, which means that you're not having to reinvent it every time you need to put something new on. Yeah, that I think it is a process issue. I think you're right. It, because that will help me to make the most of the, the, the sort of pockets of time when they do come up because I'll already sort of have a list and know, oh, right, well, I've got 15 minutes. I could spend it doing this mm-hmm. and already have a plan for what I can do with that time rather than spending five minutes trying to work out well, yeah. how, you know, what shall I do now? I can actually already just get on and do it. Yeah, exactly. And and you can go even further if you've got like that checklist or that process, you can divide the 
the tasks up into the time that they take. So you've got like a 15 minute task, less to 30 minute task, less to 40, what, 45 minute task, this, whatever. And you can just like grab some, the next thing on that list that needs to be done in the time, the time frame that you've got. And I think that's the thing is that when you do have limited time, you want to be spending all of it doing front end really effective stuff. Whereas actually if you were to spend maybe like a week of your 15 minute pockets setting up these systems, then you've every other pocket of 15 minutes that you've got, you can be doing in a really, really focused way. I think that's that's right. And it would then probably free, free up the time that I do have maybe in the evening when I do have the odd evening where I feel like I've got more energy, then I can spend that writing a blog post mm-hmm. or doing something that's more leisurely in that sense that yeah. you know you really want to sort of sit down and hunker down and, and get into because sometimes just um my, my little boy works up uh, wakes up very early sort of between five and six ish and um, when he was younger I used to be able to get up early enough to have an hour in the morning before he woke up to, to just get on with with some of the aspects of planning the business before I launched it but I've sort of lost that pocket of time now mm. and by the time I'm, I'm I do have the, the time in the evening I'm just so tired that I, I just in the end don't feel like it so yes I think the having a, a a product process would probably be a, a very useful thing because it would enable me to do some of the the front end tasks. And I think it's also a you can you can take this. So we're looking at it at quite a um, a micro level at the product, but you can also zoom it out and think about the flow of the year. And, and it's difficult because you're really in your first year, and it's not an average year because you moved house right in the middle of it. But you can start to think about, okay, well, A, Christmas is something to gear up for. And also with the products that you sell, it's probably going into autumn is going to be, it's going to start to be the busier time. So therefore, how can I best use the summer months? Which means that in the autumn and winter months, I'm not absolutely run ragged. So maybe it's like, um, actually taking a lot of photography in the summer is going to be better because you can take it in the evenings when it's light and and have that all done ready for autumn and winter at what point at which point you might have to be doing more postage stuff more you know reactive posts all that kind of thing so to think about the flow of the year and and the thing with time is and with these kind of tasks and with the flow of the year and all that sort of thing is that I think we feel that we have to react to what it is doing naturally sometimes, whereas actually we get to define that. You get to define that, well, if I need the summer light to take photos, then that's what I'm going to do regardless. Like that's my choice to do that. That's how my business has to work. So it's kind of going with what is going to always be the natural rhythm of a um, retail business where it's very kind of heavy in the back end, but also around that you get to define what you how you need it to work that makes sense just um, from a retail perspective most people sort of plan for Christmas in July so yes it, it would mm. definitely make more sense to be to be um, planning those photos ahead of time then because that can sometimes be the most time consuming mm. element of the shop part of things it is organizing the styling the, the the 
objects that you, you're trying to sort of market. Mm-hmm. So it does make sense. I think it would then allow me to just feel less pressured because I've already got those in the bag, so to yeah. speak. Yeah, yeah. It, and it's thinking about a future you and all the things that you're sort of worried about now is going to be times 100 when it comes to like October, November. So it's what are the things that you can do for future Bex that she's going to look back and be like, thank you, thank you for doing that for me. <laughs> Being a future friend. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I think that will it will help to just get yourself some really good processes for those more day-to-day tasks but also be conscious of the process and the flow of the year and everything that needs to happen so that you can be like okay well it's summer so most of my 30 minute tasks are going to be on taking photos for ahead of the winter or whatever and then when you get to the winter it's like all of my 30 minute tasks are packing (laughs) (laughs) Um, I suppose another issue that I have is with one of the shoulds of Mm -hmm marketing and business really which is should I really have more focus on an email list um I do have an email list I do have a newsletter and I do have a sign up but to be honest I don't do that much with it I had had rough plans of doing maybe a newsletter a season as I thought that would be manageable from my perspective and manageable from other people's perspectives because nobody really likes to feel like inboxes crammed mm-hmm. full of of newsletters um it's i think it's trying to get to grips with do i what do i put in it i think mm-hmm. without feeling that the newsletter is just a means to an end um i had thought i mean the, the ones that i have in, created in the past have had recipes on our Hugo tips but I feel like I, I don't know if I'm just doing it for the sake of doing it. And I don't know if um, I could get your opinion on whether it's something that I, I should have or whether it's something that is um, is an extra that maybe is sucking time that I, I could be spending elsewhere. Mm. So, so what do you want an email list to do for your business in like an ideal world? You know, <laughs> it's just magically happening. What do you want? it what job do you want it to do what results do you want from it um I would have liked it to create more of a sense of a conversation more of a sense of community but I don't feel like it's got that at the moment and I would obviously like it to highlight certain products that are seasonal and certain offers that I I might be able to provide and just as a form of communication so for example at Christmas just to give out last postage dates so people are aware of when order times would be for them. And is there anywhere else that you can do those things so where else might you be able to communicate in that very kind of community building and value providing and also just selling way and the informative way is there any kind of one other place where you can do that as well as an email list would be able to do it um i found that instagram stories is something that i tend to to use to provide that sort of information and i'm almost 
replicating it in a way mm-hmm. in the newsletter and no one really wants to feel like they're just reading something that they've already sort of seen somewhere else I understand though that not everyone who would be on the email list may necessarily see the Instagram stories I'm aware that you know mm-hmm. people might consume the content in different ways yeah it's it's one of those things isn't it that like you know, Instagram stories really does do that job and that's something that in my business as well I do tend to reach for Instagram stories for like just little pockets of things that you want to say rather than the email list because you you don't want to be just bombarding people with emails of like random thoughts and random things that you've got to say the thing with an email list is well there's kind of two things one is that it helps you to take control of the relationship so when in all other things, whether it's Instagram, whether it's whatever, you're relying on A, a third party algorithm to make sure that people are seeing you and B, people's memory that, oh yeah, I remember that shop that I found and I really wanted to go back and and see what they were doing. And like, nobody remembers to do that. (laughs) So when you're collecting emails, you're completely removing that risk of people forgetting you because it's now in your control. You can make sure that you are able to reach out to them and provide the reminder for them whether that's once a year or every week you know that but you are in you have the control to make that contact the second thing with email lists is that it's a place for people it's like a an in-between between finding you and buying from you because most people and you probably do it yourself when you find a new shop a new account a new whoever the first thing you do is generally not buy because like you don't know who that person is (laughs) like you've got no reason to trust them yet but you're interested enough that you want to to build that trust and get to the point where you might buy something and the email list is a place where you can you can do that you can say like I'm committed enough that I want to hear more and I'm probably going to buy, but just not yet. And I, and so that gives them that place to go where they can opt into hearing more. Um, and if you if you don't have that, then obviously they can follow you on Instagram and things like that. But as we said, you're then at the the mercy of memory and algorithms. <laughs> so that's two reasons really for me why just even collecting the emails to start with is a good idea to make sure that you're you're kind of future proofing yourself a little bit in that way so then in terms of what to send it's really thinking about what this channel does that's different and I, and actually I think cross-pollinating across newsletter and Instagram stories particularly for information like shipping and all that sort of thing like that's okay information to to duplicate because you want to make sure people see it and you know people can be like oh I've seen that okay like they're not gonna be like oh god I'm unsubscribing oh I'm getting duplicate content you know Um, so it's then really thinking about what can the newsletter do that the other things can't and I think what you said about having the conversation and the community is probably the angle to go down with that so it might be that you have like a seasonal book club or like you were saying a kind of like seasonal I can't say the word hugger 
Hugo? Hugo. <laughs> a seasonal Hugo club where it's kind of, and especially in the spring and the summer, it's like, here are some ways you can still incorporate that. And to, so then that helps you to kind of think, okay, I've got some boundaries around what this newsletter is and does. And also it helps you then promote it because you're like, oh, it's actually going to be really nice for people to sign up to this like book club and people would really like that. And so that then it makes you more into promoting it because you think this is actually a good thing rather than just something that I'm asking people to do and I don't really know why. Um, yeah, that's, I think that's, you've nailed it there. I think it's yeah. trying to work out what the purpose of, of mm-hmm. it is. And I think I've, now you've just said that it's given me the idea for something like a, a seasonal craft that's only available on the newsletter, mm-hmm. not on the blog or anywhere else. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. And and that's what people want when they're signing up because they can come and find the Instagram, they can come and find the blog. But when you sign up to someone's newsletter, you want to feel like you're getting a little something extra for it, right? And that's that's exactly what it does. Because they're going to become your, your sort of, they're the ones who are most interested. When we talk about the sales funnel or the customer journey, they're the ones that are like right down near the bottom. And so they can ha- they can take the the content that's a little bit more intimate. Yeah. I like that idea. And I think you're right that if it's just seasonal eight like most importantly it's what's manageable for you because if you were committing to monthly and then that becomes just an absolute albatross around your neck then um that's not really going to help you be providing great content in that place but to do something seasonal which is manageable for you is something that you can maybe just actually look forward to doing and that other people can look forward to receiving um I think that that absolutely works yeah and I also think with the seasonal idea as well it means that I think everybody seems to assume that Hugo is just basically like an autumn winter thing Mm means that it, I can bring in the other seasons and, and show how that can be applied in in them. Exactly, yeah. And, and it also leaves a bit of space that if you do want to send a more salesy email or like a, a new stock update, you're not already bombarding people every month or every week. You're sending them something really valuable once a season and then they also get an extra thing, maybe. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't feel like I am bombarding then if it, if it is something that's just once a season. Mm-hmm. And and that's part of it as well, because like we, we spoke about the the feeling, the ickiness around the promotion. Like if, you f- if you feel like you're bombarding people with stuff that they don't want to see, you're A, probably not going to send it. And B, you're not, you're going to have a really kind of apologetic tone to it like not even consciously but you know sometimes you you can just feel that people feel bad for telling you stuff and it just comes across in what they've said and in the copy so um if you actually feel really good about like that's how I feel whenever I send a newsletter I'm like I'm so I feel so glad that people are going to receive this this is like a really great thing for people to get and that I I think and I hope comes through in in what I send yeah well it's worked for me because I've first listened to the podcast and subscribed to the newsletter and and I think you described it once as as breadcrumbs and it is like that Mm. Uh, because it it did build up that trust before I did then um, 
go and, and buy a purpose kit mm. and then base camp. So yeah, it is about building up that that relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, and the, the trust part is so important, and we wanna we always wanna skip to it, like skip to the good juicy bit of like actually selling stuff and having a thriving community and all that stuff. But that can't happen until there's trust, and the trust you can't you can't rush that. You can't just kind of fast forward through it. There are some ways you can do to kind of catalyze it and like increase it a little bit, but there still has to be a period of time in which trust is built. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we kind of talked about the, the process around the time management and things like that. And I think that also what that will help with is prioritizing because I think that's a really key thing when you don't have a lot of time is that you have to feel really confident that what you're doing is the 20%. So you've probably heard about the the Pareto principle of 80% of value comes from 20% of input. So we want to be making sure that we're spending as much time doing just the 20% of stuff rather than all the gump around. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. So it's kind of spending some time to a identify that 20% and also just I kind of call it radical prioritization of just like I'm not doing that other stuff I'm I'm just not doing it because it's not the 20% and I can't afford to do anything that's not the 20% yeah well I think now you've said that it's given me the idea to just sit down with a, a pen and a piece of paper and work out how long it does take to do those tasks like we were talking about earlier Mm. so that I do have um, a bank of 15 minute tasks 30 minute tasks 60 minute tasks that I can then have in a notebook and know oh right well I do have this amount of time I can get on with doing this Mm -hmm. and then the superfluous doesn't end up becoming it's very easy to 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 do the side things rather than get into the mm-hmm. the actual task that you need to do a bit of procrastination <laughs> exactly and I think a, a way to do that is to know what the end result is going to be um and I don't mean that in terms of everything you do has to have like a, a direct result coming out of it because that's not really realistic because you if you're doing something in 15 minutes that's not going to make your fortune right but you have to know okay I am doing this task because it's working towards this goal and it then means that I can do the next task and the next task whereas actually if you you've got something on your list and you're like I can't really see what project and what endpoint that's contributing to that's something that just doesn't need to be on that list. That's something that you've put there because it feels nice and fluffy to do. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's good to have that sort of um, ruthlessness in that I can say, although this is nice to have, it's not actually getting me any further on Mm -hmm. with with what I need to do. And it it could be something that is a weekend or or an evening thing that is just a nice to have. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And and I think that's going, circling back to that sort of perfectionism piece and, and wanting everything to be at the standard that when you worked for like a huge company, um, that helps because you realise actually when it's just you doing all the stuff, how much the people in your old teams, like most of the stuff they did was irrelevant. <laughs> it was just there to make people feel busy. Um, and actually a lot of that stuff is as you say a nice to have that kind of 
is the sprinkles on the cake, but not making a real difference. I think as well, it's you forget that when you're doing that sort of thing as a job, that there are whole teams of people yes. doing that, and you're just yeah. one person. <laughs> yeah, especially with your your woodland photography shoot, like you would have had lighting and assistants and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and I think as well, it's that uh, being really realistic about that the time that you do have because. I know what it's like when you can be like, oh, well, I'll definitely be able to do like two hours on Wednesday night. And then Wednesday night comes around and you're like asleep. (laughs) So it's being, it's actually planning for less time than you, you might have rather than going up the other way around and being really hopeful about your time. Because what that does is it causes that domino effect of like, oh, well, I didn't do that two hours on Wednesday. So there's no point me doing the 15 minutes on Thursday. And then I'll just have it all off till the weekend. And then it's just all your tasks are falling like dominoes then. Whereas actually, if you say, you know what, on Wednesday night, I'm not going to be able to do anything. I'm just going to pick it up on Thursday and do a 30 minute task then. You can keep the momentum. It's not quite as an intense a momentum, but it is still the stone rolling. That, that you're totally right with that because it's so easy to do with Instagram because I am one of those people that just likes the grid to look mm-hmm. um, a certain way and you feel like, oh, I haven't got that photograph quite right I'll, I'll wait and I'll, I'll reshoot it I might think oh well that doesn't quite work in that particular place and then it just it, you, you do lose that momentum yeah and I think that's the thing with the grid and I like absolutely empathize with that and I very much kind of feel like oh there's two on top of each other that probably should be on top of each other but also it's like that's it's so impermanent yeah in two weeks time nobody's gonna see those two photos that maybe shouldn't have been next to each other like ever again <laughs> and so it's it's like yeah try try to make it look nice but also nobody's going to be investigating it quite as hard as you are and it's it's an impermanent thing and especially when you're short on time but also just generally putting time into the permanent things is where that time's always going to be best spent. So spending time on the photography because you can use that over and over again in lots of different places, but perhaps spending 30 minutes reorganising your grid and your planning app isn't the best use of that 30 minutes. No. So, I mean, how, so how are you feeling about things now? Do you feel that you've kind of got a place to go with it? Is there anything that's still sort of there at the back of your mind that you think oh, I'm not sure how this is going to work no, I think the, the central idea of maybe having um, a bank of tasks um, would that's the key to unlocking it I think so I can have that variety of knowing oh well I only do have a short amount of time but I can fit this in because I think a lot of it is that, that when you lose that momentum you then feel a bit demoralized mm-hmm. and it's very easy to then just let it slide whereas if I, if I do have that bank of things that I can pull out and think well although I don't have much time today I can do this and it will actually move me forwards mm-hmm. then it is easier to keep that momentum I think yeah and and also you feel really capable which is such an important part of 
motivation and self-esteem to feel like you're not running around like a headless chicken and you're you're doing an awful job (laughs) whereas if you can feel like oh you know what I actually did ticked quite an important job off today and it only took me half an hour that's that's a really important way for you to be able to feel yeah especially I think as if you are someone who is trying to juggle a business around being a a parent or a carer if you have one of those days where everything just doesn't go according to plan (laughs) it can feel very much like you've not done so great on that side of things and it can also just make you feel like you're not really doing very well on the business side Mm -hmm. of things as well so uh, yeah it can if if I can have that sense of accomplishment with something where if if it's not been such a great day but have managed to get something ticked off then it it, I think does alter your mood Mm. I think you know what hearing you say that I think that's an important thing to have as a goal because we when we're doing goal setting and all that sort of thing it's very like I'm going to make this much money and I'm going to have this and I'm going to have that whereas actually if a goal is that every day you get to feel like you've accomplished something (laughs) even if it's a really tiny thing like that's a a nice thing to aim for and just as a little sort of habit or or little goal that you're just like every day I can go to bed and feel like oh yeah I did accomplish something today I'm I'm really doing this I'm doing all right I think that's that's quite important yeah I think especially if if you are the sort of person that's decided that you you do want to be your own boss then (laughs) nobody is harder on you than mm-hmm. than yourself mm-hmm. so it, it is nice to feel that oh well yes I have accomplished something today because I think we can be so much more hard on ourselves than anybody else would be yeah I always find that such a ironic thing that so many of us want to leave the day jobs because we don't want a boss and then we go and be the worst boss that we've ever had <laughs> so true <laughs> So, yeah, try and be a good boss to yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Great, Beck. So I think I've just got the one question left to ask you, which is how do you grow a soul in your work and life? Well, I think we've touched on the whole thing of being a recovering perfectionist. So I think it's by learning to trust my instincts. Um, I'm trying really hard to, to live a life that is more authentic to who I am um, and doing something for me rather than trying to do something that I think will please others because I think being a perfectionist goes hand in hand with sort of people mm-hmm. pleasing mm-hmm. I think so many of us that probably listen to your podcast as well just are trying to find that that sort of sense of authenticity mm. I love that so <laughs> where can people come and find you and find the shop and connect with you? Um, you can find me on bramblandfoxshop.com, which is the website. And you can find me over on Instagram at bramblandfoxshopuk. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Fex. Thank you very much. Any links that we mentioned in this episode will be on my website at simpleandseason.com forward slash podcast and you can come and find me and Bex on Instagram. I'm at simpleandseason and she is at brambleandfoxshopuk, all one word. As always, if you think you have a friend who would really enjoy this episode, please do send them the link and share where you're listening online too. And until next time, I hope you grow a soul.